Welcome back to Humans with Josh Lohans, a podcast for people who want the world to slow down and become more human. My name is Josh Lohans, and you're listening to Season 2 of Humans. Every episode, I ask one interesting person to tell me their life story. Kai, welcome to the podcast. Oh, I felt it. It was very warm. <laughs> yeah. Welcome. Uh, uh, thank you. <laughs> well, welcome to uh, this co-working space. No, thank you very much. I'm I'm really looking forward to this. Actually, cool. I I thought about it today. I was like, yes, we're gonna do that podcast. It's gonna be fun to talk to Josh. Yeah. Yeah. I'm starting to get a bit of a pattern, and the first question I always mm. ask is, "What did your parents do before you came into the world?" Wow. We start superficially. I like that. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> now, um, my parents, what they did before I came into this world. Um, probably they didn't have children before me. So um, my parents were probably almost living together. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think I think they were together. It's funny, huh? I never asked them in detail about the life before me. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> typical, typical guy. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think they were both working. My my father was a teacher for um, for for uh, hard students. Is that a word? You know, like difficult students. students. Yeah, difficult students, mm -hmm. right? Um, he, so he was he was the dire basically director of the school mm -hmm. um we haven't talked much about that time i just know that teaching back then <laughs> had other um yeah had other standards than they have today okay. um but i just uh he told me a lot about the stories of like how really they like they brought guns to the school like and then this in switzerland you know <laughs> like, yeah. or like at least airsoft guns and they were the like children? shooting at each yeah, yeah we're oh. like teenagers basically right yeah and so um so yeah that that must have been quite challenging and i also know that he got piss, pissed quite often at them mm. and that they had fights and stuff like that yeah and my mom yeah sorry can ask I, away yeah um You said he sort of, uh, the director, or I guess the principal, he was the head of the mm -hmm, school. Of mm -hmm, a, mm -hmm. for, it was like a special school for difficult children. Yes. Does that mean um, young people with criminal records or not quite, but young people who have been identified as being, yeah. do they have, uh, are there people with, with, with diagnosed disabilities, mental disabilities, or it's, what, what was the, or is people that have been expelled from other schools? What <laughs> How does that work? Because I don't know anything about this kind of school in Switzerland. Yeah, me neither, to be honest, because okay. I didn't <laughs> ask too much. But what I think is some definitely had criminal records, but since they were quite young, mm -hmm. it wasn't like a huge thing. But they had, I think they were, they had learning difficulties for sure. Mm -hmm. And so they, in Switzerland, they all go, like we have this level system, like levels. And I think one is called a Kleinklasse kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And, um, so, so small classrooms small class and they i think they were all kind of like thrown into this group there was no like like everybody was difficult go to this <laughs> class kind of thing um mm -hmm. i'm not even sure if the whole school was like that uh -huh. or just okay. uh the people or the the 
children or teenagers that he was educating. Mm-hmm. So I'm not completely sure about that. Sorry for not having like a ton of stories about that. <laughs> no, that's I'm so fine. sorry. <laughs> yeah. And your mother? Uh, yeah, my mom at that time, she must have, yeah, she probably worked in an office at, oh Christ, I wouldn't say like like normal, quote unquote, normal office job um, in a, in an accounting firm mm-hmm. and and she was she talked uh, like she, she I, I don't know what she, she I, I don't I'm not even sure whether she knew completely what she was doing <laughs> like then she, it was just like her like one of the she was she was quite young like around 20 uh, she must have like but between 20 and 24 something like that mm-hmm. so 20 25 and uh they basically they had to work but i don't think they worked quite hard in that okay. uh, office and she yeah so but it wasn't her field like she's not mm-hmm. a a numbers crunching person <laughs> so mm-hmm. it's interesting that she worked in an accounting firm at the beginning before before she got me yeah yeah your your mom is originally from the Czech Republic. Yes, yeah, she is. She moved here with her parents. She moved here in a car seat, so she was uh, smuggled over the border in the Prague Spring. Okay. So that was when the Russians uh, basically occupied uh, the Czech Republic, and they they forced families to stay there. So so you could travel outside of the Czech Republic, but. Uh, or Czechoslovakia, I think it was still back then. Mm-hmm. But you always had to uh, leave the children behind. Right. So um, my grandfather, he was just this maverick, really, like really interesting, cool guy. Um, and he was just a survivor. And he, th- they had a lot of discussions, my grandmother and my grandfather, because my grandmother wanted to stay in the Czech Republic because of the social, just the social connections. They had the family. Family is really important in Eastern Europe uh, or with us as well. And um, so they didn't really, she didn't re- really want to leave, but he said he, he wanted to. So at a certain point they had fights, but in the end they, they left and they couldn't leave uh, all of them together. So I think my grandmother went ahead first or maybe she stayed, something like that. And then my grandfather took my mom and uh, put her in a, like they emptied out a car seat and they put her there. And then they drove to the border and at the border, the officer was checking and he actually like touched the car seats to check whether there's something inside wow. and um, my grandfather to this day is still or not to this day anymore because he passed but until he was f- completely sure that the the officer realized that there's somebody in there wow yeah and my mom to this day still has a scar like a little scar of a screw that they forgot to take out of the car seat and when the officer was touching the car seat it like went a little bit into her skin wow yeah oh my god yeah so they but uh he he let him pass the officer let my grandfather pass and then they drove a little bit and then they drove uh, and and he my grandfather told my mom you, you whatever you do you cannot 
talk, right? Even mm-hmm. if I'm like screaming or anything, you're not allowed to talk. And so she, uh, he asked her, Petka, Petka, are you there? You know, mm-hmm. let's, let's check for Peter. And uh, she just didn't, right. she didn't answer because she wasn't supposed to. So he freaked out, mm-hmm. right? And so um, he, he stopped the car and like, uh, but she was like pulled off the car scene and she was still there. And mm-hmm. she, yeah. So that's how they got to, I think, first Germany. And then he, he's the guy who builds nothing, uh, something out of nothing, mm-hmm. like really like stand up guy. And he, I think he, uh, he was, uh, in the restaurant business first, mm-hmm. uh, did a couple of restaurants and then he came to Switzerland at a certain point and he sold cars and he's a good, he was a very good salesperson, okay. like very charming, very, uh, yeah, extroverted, nice, mm-hmm. and so he he got quite successful at that. Yeah, so that's uh, that's how my my mother got into Switzerland. Yeah. Wow, that's a story. And do you know how that was? It a a conscious decision to start a family, or do you know what what that thinking was before you you were born? Not sure. <laughs> uh, well, so they got married after um, mm-hmm. my mom was pregnant. So I guess <laughs> it kind of happened. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not completely sure the way they were like, planning on having me that early, yeah. to be completely honest. Yeah. But again, I've never asked, really. Mm-hmm. And that it's also not so important to me. Yeah. But uh, but I think, um, I think it was, uh, was happening quite spontaneously mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. and then your brother is two years younger than yes you? two years younger do you remember uh, do you remember when he came into the world was that something that was interesting for you well i've seen videos of myself at that age interacting with him and it looked cl- quite um like it was very beautiful our interaction so like just seeing it from i'm not not to my own horn but it looked like i really cared for him mm-hmm. from the beginning it was not like you hear these stories of where like the older brothers like fuck yeah, fuck that. competition no, yeah competition yeah. or yeah. something it wasn't at all like that with us it was yeah. like uh like a nice uh yeah brotherly friendship cool. start from there and i was also very interested in that little creature i've seen that on videos i don't remember myself yeah but what i do remember is that he um even though he was the younger brother, I felt at the earlier stages of my life, he was the more kind of socially integrated of the two of us, even mm-hmm. though he was overweight, which is as a child, like something that uh, people, will, yeah, your classmates, they will make fun of you. Even though he was, uh, he had that uh, challenge, was always well integrated and also, uh, like uh, interacting with girls and stuff like that. I was like, wow. <laughs> so that was something that was interesting for me to see. And I was more of the like uh, child who, I'm not sure if I destroy your structure now. No, it's perfect. Okay. Uh, <laughs> but he was more like, I was more of like this uh, sh- really shy child mm. uh, in terms, but also like I really liked to connect, but I was also very... Like I was always crying, <laughs> you know, like when we went to like for with, th- with the whole 
when we went for school trips or something i was always like um like trying to get back home to my mom so mm-hmm. i was a little bit of a mommy's boy mm-hmm. yeah really a lot i think and i always felt uh like homesick and homesick is that the word yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. felt homesick a, a lot so it was always uh terrible for me to leave uh my mom mm-hmm. yeah or my parents as well yeah do you remember your first day at school uh i imagine my first day at school i don't remember it completely but i always connected school with high levels of stress Mm. a lot of like trying to fit in Mm -hmm. a deep feeling of i don't belong here i'm like um kind of an outcast a lot of bullying happening um I'm not like I'm not saying like uh, I was a, a victim. <laughs> it was like so depressing. And so I, I said that in quite a few speeches. Like when we talk about like I I think I believe everybody has like a, a kind of fucked up childhood in a way. You could always find something, but yeah. that's just like factually what happened. Like I, I remember a lot of instances where I got bullied or like uh, also physically attacked, stuff like that, and where. I also attacked <laughs> like a, a back, but I also I remember feeling a lot of stress and not fitting in and trying to fit in, but didn't know how to because I was so emotional as a child, mm. like crying a lot or crying fast, and um, so that that's what yeah for me I really never enjoyed school so much. Like, did you have a teacher that you liked in primary school? Huh. Hope my teachers are not listening. <laughs> to this. No, uh, I. To be honest, no. Mm. Really, I didn't. Like, th- I'm sure they all tried their best, but it was never. I never felt like this was really inspiring teacher, especially during the, my earlier years of education, mm. where I felt like, wow. I really got something from those early years in terms of like inspiration, stuff like that, which is sad, mm. you know, like in a, in a way, not for me personally, I'm, I'm fine, I'm doing <laughs> great, but uh, just in general that this is the case that we have this education, I, I still believe we have this education system where it's just, it's not inspiring, it's just mm. trying to teach kids or I felt like just like you need to learn something, yes, but the thing is that you like you try to socially kind of fit in and i've i was never successful at that mm. but uh, uh, in the earlier years yeah was there something that you found outside of school to compensate for that mm. it's a good question i think what what i i had some friends um and i i think we i remember that we played a lot outside so it was not like within my school i had problems but then again i still had some some friends that we spend a lot of times now it's coming back to me actually we spend a lot like i had quite a few friends but still like the, the the school really like being in school was always connected to stress for me but outside i played uh, soccer football mm-hmm. um and yeah i played quite a lot of, uh, quite 
a lot of football at the beginning and it was also part of a football club. But then again, once I got into the club, it was associated with stress again. Mm. Like I really didn't enjoy that. I really mm-hmm. felt like that is something that, that, yeah, it's like, how do I fit in now? Now mm-hmm. it's serious, you mm-hmm. know? Mm-hmm. But the, in general, we played a lot of sports with, with my friends back then. And then uh, my first Super Nintendo came around. Mm-hmm. And I remember being like, that was my first time that I consciously remember my dad crying at Christmas because I was like, so like, I was like, I want to play now. I want to play. I I don't want to have rules, you know, screaming, like being unthankful that I just (laughs) got the Super Nintendo and just worried about that. I'm not able to play (laughs) enough. And my dad got really sad about that. I remember Mm. that. Um, feel, uh, or, or just that situation. And then I played a lot. (laughs) of video games yeah we we loved watching like watching tv and like, that was the most amazing thing back then and playing video games like a lot mm-hmm. like spending a lot of times in front of a screen what well, i wasn't allowed but whatever minute i could spend mm-hmm. um i did i did play a lot of video games yeah i was quite a nerd and that also in my teenage years yeah after it I remember that specific situation waking up like it was summer break of beautiful weather outside and uh instead of going out and play it's like waking up before you pee you turn on the computer because it was slow computers <laughs> back then then you go pee you get some food and you come back and the computer's on and start <laughs> playing <laughs> that was my process I really was uh, very process oriented <laughs> yeah yeah you grew up in would you say a small town? Uh, well, different places. Okay. Yeah. yeah, I grew up in uh, in Wieden, which is a small. It's a very small place. That was that those like more formative bullying years. I would call it. It was in Wieden, and then we came to uh, Volen, um, where where we were um, living for the re- basically the rest of my childhood kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And there we had uh, like this neighborhood with a lot of kids, so mm-hmm. that was that was quite fun. Yeah, yeah. That was a small, small city. It's yeah. And you're at the edge of city. the forest there. Sorry. And you're at the edge of the forest. If if you yes. lived in that house. Yeah, then, yeah, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Right, you were there. Yeah, it's a nice house, and we were also a lot outside. Not necessarily a lot in the forest, uh, but just outside mm. a lot you don't see as much today <laughs> if you walk past like any football uh, courts or something like that and it's like nobody's outside anymore in mm. these uh, suburban areas mm. it's really creepy yeah. so what was that was that then somehow more did you have more access to nature when you moved there not no not necessarily because the other uh place the first place Vieden was also very rural mm-hmm. so we always had connection like to the forest i also remember my mom taking us a lot of, on walks mm-hmm. through the forest and stuff like that mm-hmm. so but i was never a nature child yeah you know there is these uh what is it called the uh, it's literally translated the pathfinders right so mm-hmm. these uh, these nature mm-hmm. groups that scouts. go scouts mm-hmm. things yeah, the scouts, and I, I was I was part of the scouts for one day. <laughs> then I was like, no, fuck this. <laughs> I'm not going to yeah. be part of that. So I've never been like this uh, ultra-nature boy kind of or nature person mm. back then. 
Mm. Yeah. Do you think that's changed? Are you more of a nature person now? Mm, good question. I think I enjoy more consciously now, mm. but just factually look at my <laughs> lifestyle. I, I live in Luzerne. I will be surrounded by nature, but I don't go enough. Like mm. it feels like not enough, but so as a conclusion, I'm not really a nature person, I think. Not yet, but it seems to switch slowly. Like it, um, I start enjoying it more. I see, uh, I see the value of uh, when I'm not in nature or I, I don't go out of the city for a long time. You just, you just detach yourself from yourself. Careful yeah. with the hand. Oh, sorry. You can hear it. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah. So I'm just uh, very passionate about this topic. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's something I also noticed that over time I become more appreciative of nature. Mm, definitely. Yeah. Um, so you, you became a computer geek or a video game geek yeah. in, in, in childhood. Was that, would you say what you spend most of your teenage years doing? Or let me ask a different question. What were yeah. your other hobbies? <laughs> <laughs> it was so boring back then. Um, no, like the moment I was allowed on computers, I was basically doing a lot of <laughs> computer stuff. Yeah, like yeah, I remember building a computer as well. That was still a thing mm. when, I was, when I was young. <laughs> could build in the old days. Yeah, in the old days. <laughs> yeah. So we did, uh, like I did quite a, a quite a lot of also LAN parties, you know, mm -hmm. where we still had to drag our uh, computers <laughs> to, to like a place and then it never worked for the most, like for the biggest amount of time during that LAN party, we just tried to figure out how to make the <laughs> network work instead of actually playing games. But uh, these, were th these were the things we did back then. We played outside. Um, yeah, Th like I uh, st uh, up until it sounds boring, but up until today, I'm still looking for a hobby. Mm. <laughs> you know, like I do, st I do a lot of things like travel and and now I picked up mountain biking and 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 other things. But I, I'm always like I always have this concept in my head that I should have a hobby that I do after five o'clock in the afternoon, <laughs> you know, like something, but I do sports, yoga, all that stuff, but I don't consider this as a hobby. Mm -hmm. I'm like, no, no, you need to be a professional puzzler or something. <laughs> I don't know. You know, like it's just Collect something stamps. that, that uh, gets me out of my head. Yeah. Yeah. And that, uh, yeah, I don't know, like maybe bit build a boat i don't know you know yeah, something yeah. still looking for that outside a uh, project that is like manual labor mm, mm. because also the, yeah job wise i do so much like i my job is focused on the mind right yeah so i'm thinking always like ah, at some point i would really love to do something with my hands mm. yeah that would be awesome to get out of the head that's why i do yoga now because mm. that that feels kind of like it gives me the chance for at least moments to get out of my head yeah. sometimes yeah yeah did you do any sports uh, as a child well yeah as i said oh, you said soccer yeah you're not listening <laughs> josh really suck at this josh it's a podcast you know? <laughs> yeah like apart from that i i was very good i was actually very athletic i just mm -hmm. remember now 
there was like this one moment where we had the competition between this one girl and uh, me. We were like 10, 12. <laughs> and, and we just realized we're very good. Like, you know, the ropes where you had to climb up, mm-hmm. you know, in the, the, the gym halls, they had these uh, ropes. Yeah. And uh, I was very good at that. I just remember now. Mm. Yeah. So I was quite athletic. I think I r- really enjoyed um, doing sports until the moment um, I felt socially conscious. Like mm. this was an option to be like fail at sports or to to not be accepted, you know? Mm-hmm. So that was a big uh, big story. Like, oh no, and now I get self-conscious. I was never the football player on the field who felt like, completely relaxed about playing football I was always thinking what do the other kids think and stuff like that Mm -hmm. I'm sure not from like from the get-go but that was like the way I conditioned myself or got conditioned yeah yeah what was high school like for you yeah it sounds so depressing (laughs) like I'm just like um so so when I was the shy and like uh, e- introvert uh, person, more like during primary school, yeah. I thought like let's try a different tactic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> let's let's become a real dick and like extroverted. <laughs> so I I started like playing the game of bullying, right? So I mm-hmm. was like, okay, the cool kids bully a lot, so I, I really have to pick on pick that up. And so I remember me trying at later years to get rid of that uh, bullying and as you know josh i still am a bully <laughs> a little bit and um, so it really never got rid of it completely but it was like so i was like uh, shy and then like extrovert aggressive and now like the, uh, the sometimes joke now like my challenge is to become me again you know mm-hmm. like this this in between thing that is sometimes shy sometimes extrovert but that was like i was i could be an asshole I think, like mm-hmm. in my uh, in my high school years, and it was a lot about status. Yeah. So it was a lot, a lot about like there was always this one guy who was really cool, and I tried to like we were always competing for who's the cooler person. All right. Yeah, but I think it was it was it was a bit more fun. I think, um, but I was always like uh, I was still shy, like with girls mm. especially. It's like, oh no, I could not tell her that Did I like her, you know? That's interesting. Like that. Did you ever feel successful with your ability to gain status? Huh. Oh, that's a deep question. Um, no, not really. During my school years, I really, tr- I really played that game of mm. like getting that illusionary thing called status, whatever that is, yeah. Yeah. But I never felt successful. It was like a race against uh, against something. There was always a made-up opponent that mm-hmm. was better than I was, you know? Yeah. Or maybe he was there, but it's like, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's like there was always somebody cooler. So, and I was never, like, I always played the story in my head that I'm not, like, oh, yeah, I have to prove myself. Mm. That's, That's like my, te- my teenage years as well. I have to prove myself. I've, I've, I've never been a cool kid or tried, even tried to yeah. be that. I always thought that, or uh, I guess maybe it's even like a intuitive assumption that cool kids know that they're cool, but mm. I think mostly maybe they don't. Like they're just always trying to be cool. Yeah. 
yeah, maybe they're as stressed as we, as <laughs> we are, you know, like, as we poor. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just, uh, like, I've always seen people who stayed out of the whole thing. Mm. They just knew already for some magical reasons who they were. Mm. That was neither. I, I know, that was neither. <laughs> but I, know, I remember this, especially this, uh, uh, it sounds derogatory, but he was a farmer's boy, you know, like uh, mm. this, 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 this one guy, Mark, and like he was always the same, mm. you know, he always said, he probably got bullied sometimes, but like people just left him alone mm. because children instinctually, they feel if somebody's already rooted in their own personality, you can try whatever, you mm. know, he's like, Haha. you know, mm. whatever. And I think there are these people, like, I mean, if you think back of like the, some people who maybe weren't in the center of attention all the time, but if you think back, they're like, oh yeah. They already knew who they were, mm. you know? And I wasn't like that. I really felt like I need to be socially accepted to be somebody yeah. as a child, always. And so I tried to play the game. And I was like, I think I was medium successful during high school. And uh, and then the older I got, the more I realized it's like, but it's very stressful. Because <laughs> if people around you stop doing that and you're just the only one, then you're just a dick, you know? <laughs> and so so I had to I had to learn to yeah, be myself more. And that wasn't a complete bully, but also not this shy person. I was like, who am I? Yeah. Yeah. You graduated high school with mm -hmm. a university entrance diploma? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I went, uh, yeah, I went to, uni I'm just like, the reason why I'm like, yeah, 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 I'm thinking of that time, going to university. Yeah, again, same game. <laughs> 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 I remember, like, I was really not interested. Like, I was really not interested in uh, in the education. I was just interested in the social part. Mm -hmm. You studied business? I studied business, yeah. And I'm actually teaching at that university. <laughs> so I'm going to restrict myself and things. So. <laughs> no, but uh, yeah. So what I remember there is one thing I really enjoyed. That was the, the like the one thing I enjoyed and hated sometimes as well. But what, what was very useful for the first time where I felt like, oh, this is super useful mm -hmm. was group work. Okay. To, to see how groups work together. You know, we had a mm. lot of group assignments. Okay. And back then I was thought like, what the fuck do we have to do everything in, during group assignments? Mm. And now I realize that was very useful. Yeah. To see how some people avoid mm. doing tasks, uh, to see how you try to cheat your way through some stuff, mm. to see when you take ownership, when you don't, when you take leadership, when you don't. Yeah. And I felt like that really got me closer to some people. Yeah. And really, we're, we're still like, during university, you feel like you're suffering, you're the victim, like, and you complain a lot, right? And that really forms a group. Mm. And um, yeah. so I had a lot of like, that was, I had a lot of very good friends or still have a, a lot of, not a lot, but a few really good friends. And during that, I had a lot of people that I really enjoyed spending time with. Mm. Because at my younger years, I was like, I was always... Um, you might not realize that now because I'm speaking English, but in German, I was always using quite fancy terminology. Mm -hmm. And so so children were just like, the what the fuck, dude, we just talk normal. So I always felt like, uh, they, they felt like I'm arrogant or something. Mm -hmm. And during university, 
everybody was speaking like that. Not right. like arrogantly, but just like everybody is, yeah, more or less uh, using similar terminology and stuff like that. So I, I felt more like I fit in there, mm. you know? Yeah. So that might be a factor. And I did a lot of partying, man. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, so I, I wasn't the, like, I'm, uh, I'm sorry to all the teachers right now here. I'm very sorry to all the professors because I was just a terrible student. Mm -hmm. I really was like, mm -hmm. I was a minimalist and I was, uh, yeah, I never listened. It was also quite rude, I think. Mm -hmm. Now you're a teacher, so you know <laughs> the yeah. other side. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but it's um, it's different now. Yeah, I have a lot more empathy. Mm. And at the same time, um, I also connect to, especially those students, <laughs> not that badly, because, mm. uh, because they realize, oh, he's also a bad kid. So mm -hmm. it's okay. So <laughs> like we can have an open and honest conversation. Mm, interesting but, so, but, but to, for me so so i always think like how would i when i do lectures i think like how would i make it relevant for like a kai sitting in the audience mm -hmm. so i know how hard it is to get my attention yeah so i try to make it as relevant as possible and that's my i'm always thinking about what is relevant for them yeah and never or less and less let's say you always think about making good impression but less and less about making a good impression or really like force this topic down the throat of people if they're not interested mm -hmm. but i am like i'm very lucky that i have a topic that i teach that is super interesting for people by nature mm -hmm. because it's it's about them <laughs> you teach leadership yeah i teach leadership but focused on them mm -hmm. uh, like on self-knowledge mm -hmm. so uh yeah, would you still have students who were like i, I just recently met a guy who's like yeah this this module was really gay that's the expression i he used <laughs> like, literally, wow. i was like okay thanks man they're really <laughs> like whatever you mean by that, but, that is, uh, but like you you will never reach everybody sure. you know um but But I appreciate that at least he was honest enough. Well, no, actually, I heard it through another student. So at least one <laughs> student would like liked it, and he was like, "Yeah, this student told me that your module was 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 like that." And I was like, "Okay, that hurts." But yeah, mm. I got off track a bit. That's fine. Yeah. You. Um, how how does it work? Um, was that a program? that you started that led automatically into a master's or did you do your bachelor and master's separately? That's a question I get asked a lot. Like, so how did you become like at the a university teacher at that age? Because it was like four, four, five years, four years ago, five years ago, something. So mm -hmm. it was like 28-ish, 27, 27, something like that. Mm -hmm. Um, And like how it worked is I wrote an email. That's literally like, we always try to make it complicated, but I, I remember a meeting. I did, a, I did something called a Vipassana retreat. Mm -hmm. Okay. So it's a 10 day meditation retreat. 
yes, I have mental problems. So I did this 10-day meditation retreat without any preparation. <laughs> mm -hmm. I didn't know that during meditation there are no chairs. So I asked them, so where are the chairs? And they're like, <laughs> <laughs> there are no chairs, my friend. I was like, fuck. Okay, so it's like 10, me 10 days meditation, no speaking, no talking to each other, no eye contact. You know, the drill is like, uh, I don't know, hours, like at least six hours of meditation each day. Mm -hmm. No, a lot more, I think. A like lot more, maybe eight, ten hours. So, uh, oh, you really? I don't yeah. remember. Like <laughs> a lot of meditation. I was just the schedule is like wake up, meditate. Yeah, meditate, meditate, breakfast, meditate, 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 yeah. meditate, break, meditate, meditate. <laughs> yeah, but for some reason I did it, and I'm happy I didn't do it without any bread because I probably wouldn't have done it if I would know what it is in detail. But that's how I approach a lot of things <laughs> in my life. I just try, yeah. and sometimes I don't because I'm scared, but mostly I try. And so anyways, so I did this meditation retreat and there was a guy with me in the room, like mm -hmm. a roommate. And before we entered the noble silence, we uh, talked about uh, like who's going to shower first because like that stuff you cannot discuss afterwards, right? Mm -hmm. So I mean, so, yeah, I'm going to shower. No, no, okay. All right, brother, bye. That's all we talked, like maybe five to ten sentences. And then we, like, we probably cheated on the noble silence even by doing that. But then we didn't talk to each other for 10 days or nine days. And then and on the 10th day, you're allowed to speak again. Mm -hmm. So I, I was like, because during that time, I was like, damn, this guy's muscular. He must be some athlete or something. He looked like very impressive. Mm -hmm. I was like, dude, this guy, very impressive dude. And so we started talking on the last day because obviously after 10 days, you wouldn't talk. Mm -hmm. Like we talked a lot, like until people were banging on the wall and like, shut up. And so we talked about uh, what he was doing. He talked about uh, that he's uh, doing consulting in like vision implementation. So he helped organizations to not only define their vision, but much more importantly to implement where mm -hmm. a lot of literature focuses on vision finding, but not vision implementation, right? mm -hmm. vision exploration, but not vision implementation. So long story short, we was like, oh, that's interesting. We could do that for individuals as well. And that's how I got to meet my uh, business partner until this day, or one of my business partners, Julius. Mm -hmm. um, and so he basically, he what he is, he's a daredevil. So he is much more confident than I am. That's mm -hmm. my theory, like mm -hmm. really. And he just said, like, we should really do something with this. Uh, how about I come to Switzerland and we'll build up the business. I stay at your place. So I was like, okay. <laughs> um, and so we did send out a lot of um, emails to universities mm -hmm. about that we're going to do some, I don't know, like uh, visionary leadership module. Mm -hmm. And the university that I was uh, already part of or was a student in the past, they said like, well, you can come like do a couple of hours. We said, yeah, we're going to do that for free. Yeah, yeah, sure. And so we did that and uh, they liked li like the effects uh, or like the, the feedback from the students and also the teacher that was there and it's I, I think he enjoyed it. And then there was a spot free on like um, the master's model that just went through some changes mm -hmm. and so we could pick up that spot and now we're and, and then we did like three days like a three-day retreat for students mm -hmm. and that's what we're still doing until this day and now we're actually doing much more at the university so not only three days but for all the masters 
uh, master, what is the word, master? Programs. Programs, yeah. Mm -hmm. for or, or most of the master programs, I have to say. We do uh, like a self-exploration module mm -hmm. and a team-building module at the beginning of the master's. Mm -hmm. In the business department? In the business department, yes. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. I don't remember what your question was, Josh. <laughs> My question was <laughs> was about much. the step from because you have a you you graduate with a master from masters from mm -hmm. that university, mm -hmm. and um, my question was whether you knew you would kind of do that from going into it, or whether you. I don't think that was your question, but it's an interesting question. To ask. <laughs> <laughs> I asked it a little bit differently, and, yeah, and maybe, but it's it's a good question. Um, good. Yeah, because uh, in in New Zealand, you, you, there's no because I know in Switzerland there's some like consecutive masters where you like go mm. in and it's just automatically when you start the bachelor you finish with a masters. Yeah. And in New Zealand, uh, that there's no such thing. So that's yeah. why I was wondering. You you finish your masters. Was that something that was from the beginning? Like I'm going to go through this path to finish the masters, or no. Yeah, no, no, not at all. Like I actually wanted to uh, quit my master mm -hmm. or, or not even quit. I didn't want to even start with in the first place. It was just a really, um, I don't know what to do. Mm -hmm. So I might as well do the masters. Right. That's it. <laughs> it was very uninspired. Okay. And that's also the reason why I created this module because I wanted to create something that where people know earlier what they actually want to do. Mm -hmm. So that's and the masters a big part. is two years. I think so, yes. Yeah. Yeah. So at the beginning of those two years, now they get a chance to think about their life a little yeah. bit. Yeah, which is fun, yeah. I think. That's cool. Yeah. And in some, we even end with like a leadership model as well. So it's like brackets, you know, at the beginning and the end. Mm -hmm. And uh, we help them to see, okay, now I know my personal vision. How can I move it forward within a team context? Yeah. Stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. I'm curious about... Um, some of the uh, other things that happened outside of um, university in your life at that point. You moved to Lucerne from Wollen. Yes. To study here. Yes, that was like the. That, my friend, was a transformational experience. Okay. To not live at home anymore, to yeah. live with friends. And that was the first time when I, when I saw that stuff can happen effortlessly. Hmm. You know, because I was uh, I was not looking actively for an apartment or anything, mm -hmm. but I was really, I just felt like that that's a logical next step. It feels good because I, I knew two of the best, like just the most amazing guys, and they were looking for an apartment, but they were looking for an apartment with another dude, I believe, and this just out of some reason he just jumped off like she didn't want to uh, like uh, live with them anymore because mm -hmm. they, he wanted to stay in his old apartment or whatever mm -hmm. and i got to be the third guy mm -hmm. they asked me and they're just like they were like my most uh, that favorite people mm. of the whole um class that were like i loved everybody don't don't worry if you're listening to this <laughs> and you were somebody else but they were just like we really connected on a deep level yeah and uh, and then we got together and we just got this amazing, like for our situation, the most amazing flat, really affordable, eight minutes from the train station and school, um, beautiful, huge rooms, old wooden floors, just like the most amazing, like everybody has had their own room. And so we had this great kitchen and stuff like that. And it was not like beautifully clean. So us boys could really be messy in there. It was just it was the best time mm -hmm. and we just 
we bought cheap beer and we were so happy to be in our first apartment. Everybody had the same life situation. We were studying together. So, you know, uh, it was just a, such a deep connection with those two other guys and we just went haywire yeah. for some time. We would just play Mario Kart, drank beer, uh, organized parties. Um, and But what everybody kept saying is like, you guys are like you have the best place not necessarily because of the location the location was awesome as well we had like a rooftop terrace everything we did big parties for the students stuff like that mm -hmm. but also our connect was amazing mm -hmm. like manuel and rafael if you were listening to this mm -hmm. and they were just the most amazing guys yeah. and it was just we all were like people who had who loved to have fun mm just enjoy and uh, and that was really cool we had our fights we hated each other at times but until this day i love those two brothers you know it's really nice how long were you together in that i think five years man wow really long time yeah yeah, yeah. so quite or, or maybe four something around like several years mm. and I, re i stayed there for the longest so there were other people coming in mm -hmm. and i I, I really most of them I really loved but we never got back to that that dynamic that energy that we had for the first couple of years mm -hmm. because it was just, we were young and free we did trips together we 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 went partying together we we not so much studied together <laughs> <laughs> so we, everybody had their own tactic of how they studied and stuff like that how their own strategies But just the connection, man, it was really beautiful. Mm. Yeah. Cool. So that was a really formative. And I really realized it's so good. Like if, if, you're, if you're 20, uh, the best thing to grow personally is really to move out. Mm. And if you haven't done by 20 or you're 21, 22, really move out. <laughs> move the fuck out. It's really, it's the best decision I could have ever done. Mm, that's interesting. It was really good. Yeah. yeah. I don't remember when I moved out, but I think I stayed quite a long time. Mm. With my at my parents' place, I think I moved out when I was twenty four, maybe. <laughs> yeah, you just realize how to live life. Yeah, you, you know, you just learn how to live life slowly. You yeah. know, like and this, I still got like, I got financial support from my parents and stuff. But you slowly you start to pick because you're a student. You, you know, this is the most fairy tale life you can have. Yeah. So it's really good to get out and like I had to get a job. And, And uh, yeah, I had to clean, you know, like do my laundry and mm -hmm. shit. And it was uh, to cook and or, or if, the, if, if I don't cook, there's no food. Ah, uh -huh, okay. <laughs> so I might have to do some chores, you know. And yeah, it, yeah so that was, uh, that was such a beautiful, ex formative experience for me. Mm. Cool. At what point, or actually chronologically, You graduated with your master's degree. What happened after that? Well, I again wrote an email mm -hmm. um, to my now uh, former boss, Diego. Um, and uh, well, I, basically what I was doing during my last semester, I talked to everybody that I want to become a coach because self-development was basically my hobby, mm -hmm. if you want to call it that, during my studies. How long? How long? Or where did that start? 16 years old. Oh, interesting. Yeah. How, how did you get into that? Um, I read a book uh, uh, by Dale Carnegie. I don't know the English title. Sorge dich nicht lebe. 
it was called don't worry be happy something along the lines mm -hmm. or there's another one how to influence people or something like that and i realized wow you can work on yourself oh my god i don't have to be i don't have to stay broken mm. that what i really remember we were uh at the beach family holidays reading that book and i was like okay i don't have to stay broken Mm -hmm. and so that was my main thing was a lot like consuming a lot of self-development stuff from the age of 16 did like a lot of uh, like speaking course and stuff like that and that was basically my second study that i did was first like my normal studies and then watching ted talks youtube was was a thing then mm -hmm. and then we started like i started watching all those self-development uh talks because i was fundamentally broken at least that's what I believed. <laughs> and so I had to get better. Mm. So I did a lot of self-development stuff, started coaching people. And did you have a coach or did you go to seminars um, and trainings? Well, I went to a men's conference once in London mm -hmm. um, where it was about everything, like from nutrition, health, about how to talk to girls, about, uh, about really... Like specific um, body, con I don't know, strange stuff as well. It's just, it's just everything. But I, I, I was fascinated that there's other people who also work on themselves, you know. Mm. And I wasn't alone anymore. Yeah. So that was really interesting for me. And yeah. Um, so yeah, I did that during my studies a lot, and then uh, I was like naturally talking to everybody during my masters. Uh, like last semester, I was like, I want to become a coach, coach, coach. I didn't even know what a coach does mm -hmm. or what the difference between an, an advisor or a coach is. I still don't know to this day, to be completely honest. But, and, and then somebody picked picked up and said, like, well, actually, uh, I know a friend of a friend who was, ah, okay, works there and they do coaching and trainings. And then I wrote an email mm -hmm. again. Huh? Well, it was actually that one was before, so we skipped a little bit in the mm -hmm. time. Doesn't matter. But I wrote an email to my former boss and said, "I want to do your job. I want to. I want to do what you do." And um, that's how I got my first uh, conversation with him in my parents' store because he bought his bed at my parents' store that they now run, still running. Yeah. And he he felt like ah, yeah, they they had good uh, a good connect kind of like he they he was happy with the way he got treated there wait that was a coincidence or he yeah completely oh wow or yeah you know like it's one of those not really coincidence coincidences but it was like he, he really he went fit there well. he went there because he had heard about them because of you emailed him no him? Be no before, before. Yeah, yeah because he lived he lives oh right there and, and he, right. he bought a uh, he needed a bed so he bought it there and he was really happy with the service and he does sales trainings so uh, he thought like this son cannot be that bad <laughs> <laughs> at sales, and I, I read a couple of books that in were like, why would you read that book at your age? But interesting. Mm -hmm. And so we had a good conversation. One thing led to the other, and I became a sales coach first of all, mm -hmm. and, and then later more and more team building leadership, just mm -hmm. right off studies. That's like, crazy. Off of, yeah. Absolutely. So, <laughs> absolutely. I'm still very thankful for uh, and for, he, for getting that chance. Yeah. And he sort of taught you directly, or did they send you to training? Well, as yeah. Well? So, th well, first of all, like the half first half year, I was basically doing a lot of background work as well. So mm -hmm. to learn like how you structure trainings and 
how to it wasn't like it was l always learning by doing so he mm -hmm. gave me like tasks and stuff like that and then i was also sitting in in a lot of trainings and slowly started doing sequences of trainings like maybe five minutes guy now take this ball and throw it at people and ask them questions and they have to answer those questions and yeah. stuff like that wow it's a very slow process i have to say but what a what wonderful way to learn it is to just keep watching it and be yeah. there and and just like you were with the client yeah. and I was shitting my pants mm -hmm. for two years. Mm -hmm. That was literally the process of how I learned. It was really mm -hmm. emotionally draining those two years mm -hmm. because it w I was always out. I felt always out of my comfort zone for two years. Yeah. Literally. It took that long to look because it's such thinking now is now it for me is super easy. Yeah. But, but thinking back, it felt so like difficult to like know what's coming next but at the same time being very present with people and then um knowing all these little things so like i oh, now I have to put up a video camera now i have to take out this stick now i have to do this and this mm -hmm. and this so that was quite uh complex yeah uh, or it's still it and now it feels natural but mm -hmm. it was a, a long process of being out of the comfort zone all the time because this client paid a lot of money mm -hmm. and you're here now so you have to deliver. Mm -hmm. And if you don't deliver, you're out. Mm -hmm. You know, that was also something Diego told me, not like in a, in a bad way, but he said, like, we'll, we'll try, but you're literally an experiment. I don't take on juniors. Mm -hmm. Like this is not a thing we do in that business, like mm -hmm. especially not in trainings. <laughs> so you either grow up very fast or you're, you're done. And, uh, yeah. And somehow it worked, you know, which I'm yeah. very grateful for. Yeah. Still to this day, is like a really big role model. Mm. Like the, the way Diego, like my former boss, really conducts business and everything. Is, it's really impressive. And how many years did you end up working there full-time? I think around five years. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah. It's a long time. Yeah. Yeah, five years. for. Um, after two, I felt like I slowly get the hang of it. And then uh, one or two more years... Um, then I, then I quit and he made me unquit <laughs> <laughs> with good, uh, with a good way of communicating. I'll uh, not go into too much details, but it was, it was like, I was like, no, 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 I will leave now. And he, he just, uh, like made me stay for one more year. And then I said, now I'll leave. And we still work closely together. So it's, yeah. Uh, now you yeah. do a lot of freelancing for freelancing. Uh, yeah. Mm hmm but I still feel like as, as part of that company at the same time as I feel part of my own company. It's not, it's really nice. Yeah. It's like the way he treated me was in such a respectful manner, manner that, uh, that I feel like, yeah, I, I, I'm loyal to this day completely. Mm. And I also know of, uh, another guy who I collaborate with who also worked for this company and we're still close in. We would never, do something you, you know it's just like it's a really trust based relationship to this day which is very nice i like having doing business that way yeah that's great um that sort of brings us chronologically almost to that point when we met which was mm -hmm. in 2015 yeah i want to say or maybe even the end of 2014 mm -hmm. would have been the lines. end of 2014 yes yeah. um yeah, that was actually really funny because I think you contacted me out of the blue 
um, some people uh, some people had told you about me. Mm -hmm. I think you ran a workshop in Bern. Some people in Bern ah, right, at yeah. the workshop said you should get in touch with Josh. Yep. You messaged me, and I think you just invited. You just said, "Why don't you come to Luzern and, and have have dinner with me?" I think mm. that was like your your pitch. Ah, uh, yeah, we met at the rooftop terrace. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, so so what? The the reason why we met is like a couple of months before that. That's right. I, I actually don't know the full story. Yeah, yeah. Um, of so, how that started. Um, a couple of months before that, I uh, I was working for. Uh, The company like of an year yeah um, so full-time job i think no probably i worked 80 percent. i've never worked 100 <laughs> in my life <laughs> so yeah so I, i always like i was always strict on that one and so but i was working for for of an year and during a, a training i had the, like i just dawned on me also being at the conference that i mentioned before I was like, oh, I want to do something like that. I want to do a self-development conference, mm. not for guys, but for humans, mm. you know, just for everybody. And like something that really like, because I was so fascinated by all those coaches. I was that's a really good way to get to know them by organizing an event because then they will come and I will have time with them. Mm -hmm. And it will be also fun because I felt like Switzerland is so like has nothing in that, in those, uh, yeah something a similar event and so out of that idea I intuitively i think now looking back on it did something very smart i um, contacted people immediately formed the team like i was like can you help me mm -hmm. manual can you help me can you help me with this and just out of that you start talking about it and when you start talking about an idea it becomes a reality slowly but steady yeah. the more you talk about it yeah it's like Okay, and then we just started doing a budget uh, out of the blue in a in a hotel. Um, I remember because I was working there at the time, and we just like okay, so we need chairs. And, you know, we didn't know what to do. We have never done an event, mm -hmm. <laughs> so we just started with the event. But what was very useful was I always knew how it would look like. Mm. I've I, I'm just like this vision. I really saw the room full of energy, full with people, and yeah. just knew that this is the way it's going to be like mm. and um as you know it turned out to be really amazing yeah I've, i think and and then i just uh in the in the process of uh contacting like people that i thought like oh you might be interested in that event i uh, i also got it, uh, to connect with the Uh, social zebras they're called now and like so so like also people who were into self-development and uh, they suggested you and then uh, I had a very good talk with them they all said they're going to be part of the event they're going to come which I really enjoyed and very thankful to this day but they mentioned you and so we got together on our on my rooftop terrace back then mm -hmm. and I thought fuck this guy knows so much <laughs> and we were like oh this is so smart You threw all those theories at me, I believe. I was like, oh, damn, he's he's very smart. It's good. Very good. <laughs> I was very impressed by you. I was very convincing. Yeah, yeah, very convincing. <laughs> so I thought like, yeah, let, let's have him on the team. And then it just organically kind of happened. Like the right people found a place. And mm. we just started, like I started talking about the event. I think also you, we just started talking and like talking to everybody about this lifestyle design convention, the way we called it back then, and just lifestyle design. Just talk, talk, talk. And we had very much, like I had a focus. I had my work, yes, 
but apart from that, oh, that was my number one priority, mm. just to have this event because I really felt it's gonna happen, it's gonna happen, and and I just felt like again scared shitless for yeah. a year. I was like, this is not gonna work. This is not gonna work. This is. Then I had the zero point one percent moments where I was like, okay, what to do next? I was mm. thinking about it so much and doing so little. I think we could have been much more <laughs> efficient if we wouldn't have thought about it so much. Yeah. But in the end, yeah. That's how we started working together yeah. you know, on this event. C can I ask? And um, yes, sure. you don't have to answer. <laughs> but yeah. I'm curious um, because you started working on it with some other people beforehand. Yeah. But uh, they ended up not really being on the teams. Yeah. What happened? Well, I'm a very difficult human being, <laughs> as you know. Um, and I have very high um, demands mm -hmm. to, my, uh, to myself. Like I, I demand a lot from myself. Not so much anymore became more lazy lately no but like in general or more loving we could also call it that mm -hmm. huh? not net negatively spoke but uh but also to others so um there were people on board that um i felt just didn't get it mm -hmm. you know they didn't get the vision and i felt it was like already our vision like, uh, the, like also the team was like yeah let's uh and so especially we're talking about the first one now eh? yeah and then i was just like I, it was effortful to work with them mm. in short like for yeah. me it felt like effort to yeah. work with certain people and for me to this day this is a if it feels like effort most of the time i'm not going to work with that person mm. it's not not even person it is personal obviously <laughs> but it's not that person it's not like you're a bad human being it's yeah. just the way we collaborate just seems ugh. You know, so yeah. like, so I really focus on having people on the, the people I collaborate with. I, I look for the people first, mostly, mm -hmm. not always, but more and more. And then we think about what we want to do together. Mm. This is so much easier because the we, people I work together now are 80%. Let's say it's never all the time, but it's people who are just like generally enjoy spending time with. Mm. I really like I, I look up to certain qualities they have. I uh, I feel like we're we have moments of flow together. It's not black and white. You sometimes have arguments and stuff like that. But it's just like that I, I can trust them. That's that's the main thing. I feel like I can trust them with my life. Mm. That's like the basis. Really? Like I like with my business partner Sina, I know that I can trust her with my life. I know that even like she even told me once is like Kai if you ever get like out of nowhere in the office we're sitting she's like Kai you know if you ever get uh, bedridden is that the expression yeah yeah if you if you ever are in a situation where you're so sick you cannot get out of bed I would uh, take care of you you know and we're not wow. a couple by the way you yeah. know yeah. Like, but she I was like thank you wow <laughs> that's really nice of you and that's really the um that's a very dramatic way of describing but i, I think that's really the the kind of connections i look to in my life the friendships that i have mm. with the people i work with is i'm really looking for deep friendships mm. and i know a lot of people are saying fuck that no you need to like professionalism mm. you you need uh and this seems to work for a lot of people but mm. it really it's really cost me a lot of energy yeah because then i play a role with them mm. and i don't want to play a role anymore like I, s i spend a huge amount of my life uh playing a role still do sometimes yeah. still do but uh when you work with people you 
it isn't that simple when you work with people who you like yeah that usually is fun does it always work out no but it yeah. usually is more fun than but we don't do it like oftentimes which it is seems not, so obvious no this is really an advantage for me if i work with that person yeah and then you're in advantage mode instead of yeah. like do i actually enjoy this person no was there a point that you remember where this became so clear to you is that something you've all been doing for a long it's time? It's a process, man. Yeah. It really is a process. It's a process of me realizing it over and over and over again. Oh, and I'm still not doing it 100%. Yeah. It's not never. Like people are saying, oh, how do you know? It's just a short process. Uh, it's a long, long process. And mm. it's just, I could have shortened it by being more courageous, I imagine. Mm. But just say, no, I, my gut, it's really like gut feeling. It's really cultivating that connection to your gut mm. where you're really like oh i don't feel comfortable now yeah ah so so maybe may, let, let's see if that happens over and over again so ah maybe sometimes i don't do anything about it but with with people it's like ah just feel there is no it rationally would make sense i would gain money now from <laughs> this uh interaction but and sometimes i do it still you know because i'm not strong enough or whatever but more and more i'm like nah this makes rational sense but fuck rational because mm. i know from experience that if i take quote unquote irrational choices they always pay out in the end and mm. always in the most ridiculous way that i couldn't even imagine yeah. you know yeah like you doing this podcast i imagine it's like no, you're not getting money today you know mm. you're not getting paid to do this but you obviously seem to enjoy it you know the way you ask questions and stuff like that could never do it in your way <laughs> believe me i'm not <laughs> such a good listener <laughs> <laughs> thank you but yeah yeah you're doing a great job yeah yeah uh, i for me that's also where my curi uh, where my coaching comes from it's out of the place of curiosity yeah. but you're a great coach as well mm, but you say you're not such a good listener <laughs> yeah i always joke like uh, i'm a really shitty listener <laughs> how well i'm a coach but it's, it's like it's a funny it, it really depends yeah it's again not black and white i, I think mm. i have i have actually just an insight that just popped into my mind Tell which me. is i think you listen less to the content but you just are much more intuitive mm. so you feel people just and and you and that's also how actually how I felt when I first met you. I think is that you you kind of saw straight through <laughs> straight through me, mm. and um, and that's something that I can't do. But 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 by listening very carefully mm. to what people say and what they're trying trying to say and what they mean and listening for context and body language and all that stuff, yeah. <laughs> I can figure some stuff out. Yeah. But it just it's not it's not as like it's not this kind of insight into something deeper mm. immediately. Uh, yeah, I think like what i heard from the outside is like i really so i'm i'm trying to i feel it's for me personally the way i want to work with people and that's also in a coaching context is i go for the gold right away and mm. much faster than i've seen it in general yeah yeah mm -hmm. just in general so i cut through the bullshit very fast mm -hmm. by showing myself mm -hmm. And that is by being very direct, yeah. you know, just and really listening. Like I just listen and I just like literally there's no there's oftentimes no filter between what I'm feeling and what I'm expressing. Mm -hmm. And through this, 
it seems it's like uh, contagious. Yeah. So when you feel, ah, this person is real to me, you start doing the same thing back yeah. in tendencies. Yeah. So my clients tell me stuff that they normally don't say because they think out of some made up reason, it's not, it's not appropriate yeah. or stuff like that. And then we can have a real conversation about how life works or seems to work or our experience of life works. Mm. And, um, it's just more fun. Like I'm bored. The reason why and it's very egoistical as well is the reason I'm my main passion is to have real conversations. Yeah. That is my longing is to not to talk to a mind of a person, like to their head, mm. but to their essence mm. through to their real in like even to their insecurities, to their dark side, through their beautiful side, but to the to that side that is happening in the moment, mm. you know? And not what they try to portray in that moment. You know? So instead of having conversation with somebody and they say like, well, uh so what do you do, Kai? And, and but they but we have a conversation. I, I actually feel really insecure right now, Kai. That's so much more interesting for me. Mm. So much more attractive for me to have conversations like this. And that's what I try to do. And that's what I feel like I'm yeah, I just that's my main goal is to have real, raw uh conversations with people. Yeah. Did that <laughs> to, did that that did you have those conversations as a result of those two conferences that we that we ran? Mm. Yeah, so for people out there, we did two uh conferences um which were called the lifestyle design Con convention and the inside out convention in the end we called it like that and it was really transformative events yeah. i would say i, I don't want to toot my <laughs> our own horn but it was like like we had so much beautiful positive feedback i'm sure we fucked up a lot as well but it was just a very open honest and raw uh conversation between the people and i felt like it really I, I felt stressed out and unhappy and empty <laughs> afterwards. But like somebody wrote me, like the shoemaker has no shoes. I was uh -huh. like, oh damn, bitch, it's true. It really hurts, but it yeah. was it was true. It was truer than most of the things I've seen. And like it was not a conference. It was people getting together and connect on a deeper level and talk about their insecurities and goals and visions and yeah. all that stuff. So that was very beautiful. Um, I think it was one one part, man. Like there was so much. I mean, I went to a radical honesty retreat. Mm. I, I really got into radical honesty at once. So it's like uh, that was Brad just Blanton's between those two uh, conferences, I book. guess. Yeah. Well, I think yeah. Into that 2015 at yeah. some point, you went to that retreat. I, I think so too. Yeah. So, and I was really inspired by by that as well, and very very like uh, like a priest. Like, like this is the only way <laughs> <laughs> you always have to be uh, honest and it's very good it's super useful it, to be he, honest uh, so Bra brad blanton yeah he published this book radical honesty yes and i guess he's written also maybe some other books or other stuff about i have this. no clue okay. I, but I he runs so. he runs workshops around yeah. the world mm -hmm. on this topic and i think every year he likes to go on holiday to greece and makes a workshop out of it yeah yeah i think so too yeah <laughs> he will probably tell you yes <laughs> because he's radical no but th the thing is also like it's getting misrepresented a lot because the yeah. word radical comes from root and not from like 
being a terrorist at like hurting people's feelings <laughs> but what tends to happen in retreats where people have honest and rough conversations at the beginning is anger mm. anger is the most sus- suppressed emotion mm, that makes uh, sense in our society so people start using a lot of swear words Mm. Um, i'm doing that too sorry um but yeah so it was very fascinating for me to see and also to experience that and uh and to see how many layers i have yeah and it's an ongoing like these layers are still here Mm. you know it's an ongoing project um but it was fascinating to have like these raw uh conversations with people and really it's really sur surgical like mm. the way you approach it's a it's a very like specific process of how you address um certain things so you say i appreciate you for or i resent you for and then you, you you're not allowed to say an interpretation but much rather like i appre- I, re- I appreciate you for your eyes mm-hmm. for example um or i resent you for um i don't know your beard <laughs> I don't resent a little bit, maybe. No, but (laughs) (laughs) you know, like so stuff uh, uh, that is not in interpretation mode. But what tends to happen is that the emotional web that is connected to that little statement that can be like really small gets activated, and then it like you get over an experience by experiencing the experience, Mm. right? So right. So you say out loud, but you're venting, kind of, and. Yeah, you say it out loud, like you really get into it. You get, mm. sometimes it's very dramatic. You get pissed off, sad, happy. You cry and stuff like that. But it really feels like you you relief. It feels like a big relief. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that was nice. That was very, not nice. It was very intense. Yeah. It really, it really um, fed into my dramatic side, mm-hmm. you know, like, ooh. Yes, we have to express everything. Mm. One of the things I noticed w- when y- y- you came back from that is that you started using the phrase "I imagine" a lot, yes. which I f- I found that so useful. I, st- I think yeah, I st- I've started yeah. using it as well. Yeah. Can you explain what that is? Yeah. So so it you distinguish by using the word "I imagine" or the phrase "I imagine," you start distinguishing between what you actually. Uh, know and what you think you know like mm-hmm. interpretation and reality yeah and so by saying i imagine y- you uh you just hate me right now or something you you like kind of condition yourself a little bit or you just realize for me it was simply the simple realization that i am w- living in a made-up world man mm-hmm. out of my own thoughts and interpretations yeah and that's that's it at mm. the at the thing and i make this all up like mm. people don't actually feel how i think they feel they might sometimes do but it's just that i don't know like i i have my own movie in my head yeah and the other person guess what has her or his own movie in his or her head so what we're trying to do in communication is to somehow get a similar movie happening for the two of us yeah which we call connection then. And this is like this unprecise, really messy, messy work we do. And so it makes you much more humble. I don't mm. know, what did, did what did happen for you when you started using that phrase or having that inside? Yeah, it was just, uh, I think as you, as you said, it was 
suddenly noticing the difference between what you know and what you really just imagine. Mm. What you, th- I used to call those things thoughts. <laughs> yeah. But some thoughts are thoughts about facts, and some thoughts about thoughts that you just made up. And um, and it's useful to distinguish between those. Mm. Yeah. And I, I think maybe to some level, I had already started doing that through my meditation practice and throughout the things I've been doing before that. But having a word, a phrase, made it easier, made it clearer for me, and then also made it easier for me mm. to communicate those things to other people. Because yeah. it's, yeah, I mean, there's lots of different ways to do that. Nonviolent communication has their own approach to how do you say yeah. things that you don't know for sure. But I found, I imagine, to be actually just a really powerful way to do that. Yeah. Yeah, here's the thing. I don't want to be prescriptive. So mm-hmm. th- that is something that I'm just like into lately st- or not lately. <laughs> it sounds like this is my new trend. <laughs> <laughs> this is not my new fashion. <laughs> this is my fashion. Now. I'm, I'm not a hipster anymore. I'm non-prescriptive. <laughs> um, but uh, w- what, I, what, I, what I think is really important to say is there's no, like you don't have to use that word. Yeah. Like you, you, you don't have to meditate. This is me. But you do have to. <laughs> but you do have to meditate, my friend. No, but it, like it's like in that in the self development world. Here's the thing: in the self development world, everybody thinks they have the answer, and a lot of you know, like you yeah. know, like you you sell the system X Y Z. Like even I fall into this trap. Even I. But uh, yeah, like I fall into <laughs> enlightened this trap. kind yeah. falls into a trap. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so. So I think that's really important. I'm not. I'm not saying you should go to a radical honesty retreat. If you enjoy, like, if you feel drawn to it, do it. Mm-hmm. it. It certainly has been an interesting experience for me and a very valuable experience. But doesn't mean that it has again. But what I think is very valuable to know, and what you already mentioned, is that we're uh, like we're thinking, mm. and we're thinking all the time. Yeah. That leads directly to three principles, which is an approach that I yeah. think I also heard from you uh, for the first time. Yeah. Can you explain what that is? And how actually, how did you come across that? <laughs> yeah. Um, so I, I will explain it every time in a different way. Yeah. Um, so what comes up now is that uh, the three principles focus not on the fact what we're thinking, but that we're thinking. Mm-hmm. And uh, what I want to point out is that that the experiencer of uh, the three principles, not the inventor, because the three principles in, in our view have been always always there, but the experiencer of the three principles was a guy uh, that had zero training in psychology, um, in in self development, in meditation. Uh, his name was Sidney Banks. He was like a Scottish welder. So he was working in a mill and he was like just doing, ju- I, I'm not saying just, it's not derogatory, but he did manual work. Mm-hmm. Okay. So he had zero, zero background in anything like spiritual, you know, like in terms of his work or where his thoughts went a lot. Mm-hmm. He just wanted to have a good life basically in his a good relationship with his wife and that's they didn't <laughs> so much the, mm-hmm. uh, and so they went to uh to a couple's retreat and uh his wife dragged him there he was like oh fuck, okay i'm gonna go okay 
uh, people describe them as not like a, quite a pessimistic, like not the happiest dude in the world kind of guy. Like it's not very funny or something like that. any any of those traits. He's just like kind of a grumpy, mm-hmm. grumpy guy. And so he went to this uh, retreat, to this couple's retreat, and he met another psychologist who was also a participant of that workshop. Mm-hmm. And they started kind of fighting on, on who's who's unhappier <laughs> or who's worse off. They were bitching about their women or whatever. And, like, yeah. and at a certain point, the psychologist lost his temper and he told him, sit, sit, you're not, I'm not sure exactly what he said, but like something along the lines of sit, you're not unhappy. You just think you are. And at that moment, like sit saw what that guy meant like yeah like we know gravity right now right we do we just we experience it we don't even have to think about it. we just know it's true mm-hmm. like he had a deep enlightenment experience sounds very dramatic but that's what what uh, his friends who are still alive today describe it as and and he just saw fully that he was actually living in a thought created reality that everything he experiences in this life is thought created and that the only thing well that well basically that right and and he was just like really confusing (laughs) for people around him Mm -hmm. because he was just like in this uh, i think he was in a state of bliss for some Mm -hmm. time because he just saw that everything is okay Mm-hmm. Because once you realize that everything that is not okay is made up of thought and everything that you feel is okay is also made up of thought, you just might as well be okay, you know? Mm-hmm. So he, he was, he was experiencing this deep sense of gratitude. And um, he had a second experience, long story short, a second experience that went even deeper. And so people started coming up, like uh, mystics from all around the world, psychologists and stuff like that, and really started seeing at, at least a fraction of what he was seeing started turning their lives around and really uh, some some didn't some thought like fuck you and i just continue but a lot of psychologists especially on coaches they started really following that road of uh, pointing towards the fact that we're thinking not what we're thinking and having tremendous impact mm. um or like we're just much more successful in their work and it was much more effortless mm. because if you stop prescribing techniques to people and always trying to make them feel like they're not good enough which ties into my story right i was always thinking i'm fundamentally broken once you realize you're not broken there's nothing to fix Mm -hmm. your life becomes much more like uh, building a sandcastle Mm -hmm. it's more fun you know it's more relaxed it's not so heavy anymore oh fuck should i quit my job (laughs) you know it's not it's like oh i still feel that but i know it's not the job that makes me feel that way or that decision it's my thoughts about it not always right but uh yeah, it was like we could go, go into this uh, like uh, very deeply, and but but that's it. That's in a nutshell. It's it's where our experience coming from is very interesting. Like my life experience to to explore that and explore it together with my clients mm-hmm. uh, is, is has become quite interesting yeah. to me. So this is the main focus of your work now is pointing people to. Mm. To, to this 
what is it? It's not, not even an idea, just a reality. An understanding. An understanding. They call <laughs> it in the community, and you should also <laughs> call it like that. No, <laughs> yeah. It's like pointing towards or, or like having... I, I really like how uh, how another coach, Michael Neal, put it. It's like, really, it's like comparing notes mm. with my clients. Like, how do you see the world? Oh, that's interesting. Look, I, sometimes I see the world like this. How does that sound? Oh, yeah, Oh, quite interesting mm -hmm. too. And it's like, yeah, it's fun for me. You want to try, <laughs> you know? And it's like, and it's not trying anything, but it's just like, oh yeah, just look for proof, you know? Mm. Look for proof where you don't see, wh where you don't experience your thoughts, where you actually think about the situation where you haven't experienced the thoughts, but the circumstances. It's like, doesn't exist. it doesn't exist. Yeah. yeah, You've never experienced a mountain. You've always experienced your thoughts about the mountain. Otherwise, you would be always relaxed on top of the mountain, which you are not. Mm. Or on the island, which I can tell you from experience, I felt terrible on islands and they were beautiful. Mm -hmm. I felt lonely, but I felt also amazing. So it can't be the island. Mm. It can only be my thoughts about it, my experience of the island. And so having conversations with people, like drawing different like analogies, uh, just having fun and vibing, really listen for that good feeling that comes up when you like, when you hear truth, it feels good. When you hear, mostly, you know, it's like, or when you, when you are in truth, it sounds very spiritual, but it's when you are in, in a good vibe with a person, you're doing everything, that, that's it. And if you're in good feeling, that's it. Just mm -hmm. enjoy. Don't mm -hmm. analyze it, for Christ's sake, which will, you will do a lot. But th mm -hmm. that's, that's the only job we have as human beings, to be in a good feeling, because that's when creativity comes. That's when you don't do so much harm. That's when you have a deep urge to help people. Mm -hmm. That's when, um, yeah, that's just when you're on, on the top of your human potential is when you are in a good feeling. Because naturally, you enjoy good food more. You, you want to do like uh, at least for me i can only talk about my experiences like i like sports now mm. in the past i was like i really should do sports mm -hmm. even though i'm like uh yeah i'm not so sporty right now probably in this video but i really enjoy doing sport you know and i really enjoy doing yoga like i've never thought about doing yoga in the past and now i'm like trying so, mm, that's nice and uh, this stuff happens effortlessly i don't have to push myself to go and do yoga mm -hmm. i don't have to push myself to do uh, most things to yeah. be completely honest yeah and if i feel like that i'm just not doing them mm -hmm. and guess what not a lot happens if i don't <laughs> do them some like some stuff you have to do kind of you know mm. and i'm sure there's a lot of people who have who have very different life circumstances and i completely understand if it looks different to you and i'm not again i'm not prescribing i'm not saying you have to do it this way or that way i can just share what's happening for me personally mm. and uh, life have, has become much more relaxed yeah and still productive kind of but in a different way yeah it's i do less but achieve more kind of thing mm. i'm really scared that it changes now after i said <laughs> knock on wood but um, it feels very good mm to to do it like that instead of living on in a world of shoulds and i have to and i must and i'm not enough and stuff which i still do mm -hmm. like a lot of times but a little bit less every day mm -hmm. seeing the truth of like how it works makes me more relaxed without doing anything just by seeing yeah 
I'm very curious about something else that um, I heard about <laughs> some time ago, and that's tiny houses. Mm-hmm. Um, you started working on some tiny house project, but I don't know anything about it. Yeah. Can you t- tell me and us? Yeah, <laughs> so it's about tiny houses, <laughs> which is fascinating, isn't it? Now it's, um, so I'm fascinating. I'm fascinated with the idea of like having like just minimalist lifestyle. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean um, saving a lot of money lifestyle, which I would also like. I would like to be better at that. But just to really focus on what's important for you, mm. not what's important for everybody, because everybody can be a minimalist, quote unquote, in their own style. But just not even the minimalist may, might be the wrong word, but just not having shit around it's uh, for me it's it really looks like <laughs> uh the, the to have more stuff is not so it's just not so much fun for me mm-hmm. and so i don't have a car um i um i i drive one from time to time but i don't have one personally um i don't have much stuff in my flat um and that's really nice and so i th- that also brought me to uh to think about like do i need so much space mm-hmm. you know i enjoy space but it just uh, i'm always fascinated to see those videos youtube tiny houses by the way if you don't know what it is like youtube it is really nice to see it visually it's just like r- really I'm, i'm fascinated especially in tiny houses in small houses that you can take on the road with you mm. and So essentially a camper van. That's what a lot of people say, and I think that's what it's it's actually it is a house. Right. And so so I think in your head that's a difference, you know? And it's like a camper van that you is, could live in permanently. Yeah, a camper van is more like it it has connotations for me that just don't ring true. Mm. Because if you if you build a house, you don't you want to have it luxurious in a way. Mm. You know, you want to have, or not luxurious might be the wrong word, but you have want to have it specifically catered to your needs, mm. and that's what I'm what I'm interested in. I don't feel that a camper van van would do that for me. Mm. I really want to have a stu- I want to have a home, mm. and I don't feel like a camper van could be my home. So I want to have a house, and it really looks like a house. Mm. It's quite high as well because that's uh, I think you can build it up to four meters, which is quite high. And so it has a second level with like a, a place where you sleep, you know, and you could still get up and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's very, it's what I like. It's very focused on exactly the need that it has to fulfill everything. You know, the, mm-hmm. the cupboard is uh, has multi-purposes. Maybe like the the stool that you're sitting on is also like a storage compartment or can also be moved under the bed so it's part of the bed and stuff like that so that this multi-functional thing and really to think about what do you really need and what you don't because we live with so much stuff or just functions and also apps on our phones that we don't need you know so i like to think about those things consciously that doesn't mean that i don't have a, too much apps too much stuff but it's it, this really fascinates me about the whole idea of having like a really condensed space and you can take it with you because i hate swiss winter mm-hmm. i really don't like it yeah i i don't like the cold 
And so I thought like, oh, I could move to Spain in the wintertime. Mm-hmm. That would be fascinating. So this is how it got started, our project. And it's still in like start phase. I'm <laughs> really lazy about it. <laughs> um, but uh, we talked to the city of Luzerne. Um, and to see, and again, in Switzerland, to do something like that has a lot of restrictions, but that doesn't mean uh, we're not going to do it. Um, but it means that we have to think about many factors. Mm-hmm. And so we're at the stage right now where we uh, meet semi-regularly with my friend Simon, who's also interested but detached. It feels like interested but detached. It's like, mm. yeah, cool, but it's not like our core, core passion project. And that might, that might be the reason why it takes a little bit longer, Mm -hmm. but still I would love to live in a tiny house one day. So let's see, let's see what happens. So we talk, we have conversations, we talk about it. We did some Facebook lives where we got a beautiful connection through that, where people are like, Hey, you can put it on my land and stuff like that. So it's, it's certainly a learning experience and who knows, uh, it might, uh, might be reality at one time. Mm. Yeah. I think you told me that one of the restrictions is that since it's it's is it too small to be considered a real home and if it is the only other way to do it is put it on wheels and call it a camper van uh, legally and then but then you just can't keep it in the same place yes right along <laughs> yeah it's like ridiculous stuff like that. <laughs> yeah it's really annoying <laughs> but it's also good to experience not having all the power you know what i mean okay. Like, okay, I might lose that battle against law, (laughs) you Mm -hmm. know? So it's also good to see, but maybe not, you know, maybe we find a solution that, because I don't want to do some shady stuff. I I just, well, I do (laughs) sometimes. No, but you know, I I just want to have something that is on display where people can really experience it. I'm always like, I'm this kind of pastor personality when if i do something i want to tell the world about it and yeah. i really enjoy like if i think it's a good idea and a tiny house is always on wheels i just realized i didn't didn't no not necessarily but the idea or the vision i have is mm. that it, they are on or so at you least can go movable. take it to spain yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> take it to spain man i need to take it to spain yeah <laughs> and in spain it wouldn't be such a big problem obviously like, yeah i have connections there that would um make it quite easy how, how do you drive that because it's not uh, it doesn't have a car built in but it has it's a trailer essentially so you need a big car to drive you it. need a big stupid car to drive <laughs> it <Yeah. laughs> that might be yeah or you need to have a company that moves it for you or you have your own car mm-hmm. uh, but if you want to have the full romantic i'm going to go from place to place mm. i think you're better off to just have a smaller van in europe to be honest if you're in the u.s take a tiny house it's cool you have the roads for it you have the infrastructure for it but i think in europe you might be better off just to have a small rv or like even a bus that is under the radar that uh, you can like like create in a way that looks like a construction site car or something i don't know you know like a manual labor car and then you just it's so much easier if you Mm want to do that if you want to be on the move all the time yeah yeah Cool. I thought about that a lot, mm-hmm. like what would be the options and stuff like that. And I think tiny, tiny house is really something that you move maybe once a year, but yeah. that's already yeah. annoying in, in Europe, I say. Yeah. yeah. You moved to Berlin some years ago. Yes. Um, what was the decision behind that? Well, basically, I thought I will find 
excitement in Berlin. <laughs> a really stupid decision. Re- like looking back at it, it was really extrinsically. I was like, "Hey, Switzerland is boring. Let's go to Berlin." There's, it's not boring. Mm-hmm. And what I realized is I was half-assing it. So I was actually my work and a lot of the projects that I did. I felt like not s- satisfied with Switzerland mm. because I was like, "No, we're so boring," you know. Mm-hmm. And and now. I realized it was just not the right reason to do it. Mm-hmm. It was it was good that I did it, so mm-hmm. I did some something else. But to be completely honest, I was like maybe there for twenty days. Sorry for spitting right now, but <laughs> twenty, 20 days, you know. And I had this flight. Twi- so twenty days. Twenty what? like in total. total. Yeah, yeah, really, <laughs> really. I sell shit well, you know. I'm a sales guy. But now, now, real, now, probably more, a little bit more. But because you were, you yeah, ended up being in Switzerland moving, a, yeah, a lot. Yeah, of course, because I work. had so much work here, and mm-hmm. all my friends are here and stuff like that. And I was just like, I, I, I didn't feel a deep pull mm-hmm. towards Berlin. I thought I will find something, you know, like mm-hmm. I will be complete. It Berlin. was a search. <laughs> it was a search. Yeah, yeah. I mm-hmm. was like, oh, this is not good enough for me. And yeah. And so that's how I approached it. I'm sure if I would go for uh, like deeper reason, I was like, I have a deep calling to live here yeah. and or, or whatever. I would have approached differently all that yeah, jazz. Yeah. It was a cool experience and I met amazing people. So I, w- I, would, I would not do it again now, but I'm not regretting that decision. Mm. But yeah, Berlin is interesting, man. It has a very heavy energy to it, I mm. feel. Sorry, Berlin. I really mm. like you, but you're also very heavy. And I was like, ah. Oh. And Switzerland doesn't. There's a lot of things I complain all the time about Switzerland, blah, blah, blah. But Switzerland doesn't feel heavy. Yeah. You know? It doesn't feel like suffering, you yeah. know? And and, yeah. and you can just feel it in places like Berlin, man. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I remember also... At the end, I think at the end of 2015, you went to uh, Greece to help out with the uh, refugees coming mm-hmm. onto Lesbos. Mm-hmm. Yes, I did. No, <laughs> you want me to tell? <laughs> yeah. What? Uh, yeah. So I, I'm trying. I'm trying. Also trying to remember because I think we talked about it before you yeah. went, and at some point, I think you just kind of you were like, "I'm going to do this," and yeah. It just kind of was sudden, I think. You just kind of knew mm-hmm. that you wanted to do that. And it was like yeah. a few days later you left. And <laughs> Yeah, I, I realized that from, from the outside, a lot of tel- people tell me, like, how do you do this? Like, I, I'm just, it seems impulsive yeah. in a way. But for me, it's just like, yeah. It just became very clear. Yeah, just um, because I'm not, like, people will hate me for this, but I'm never reading the news or watch clips about what's happening in the i have specific topics that i go down the rabbit hole sometimes but uh which is never healthy <laughs> but um <laughs> but i i'm never uh, really listening or watching or reading any news uh, it's not just uh, like not because i'm per se uninterested in what's happening in the world but i know it's not i know i don't get through any channel what's really happening in the world i have to go out there and experience it so i might much rather focus my time on 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 doing stuff which i don't like i still watch a lot of youtube and stuff but but there i i kind of got it for me and it's really like it, it feels really true and then i see p- 
people complaining and and saying oh this is so terrible and stuff how can you not read the news it's really important that you are up to date and i'm like so what do you do about it you don't do shit you just talk about yeah but awareness is important <laughs> so yeah yeah I, I yeah i don't disagree with that but it doesn't seem to inspire a lot of a lot of action and so i heard about the refugee crisis for like I, I believe that in the things i need to know they will come to me mm. that's yeah. just my really uh that's my belief <laughs> <laughs> it's really useful belief maybe also very <laughs> ignorant i don't know and the refugee crisis did my brother said he's really interested in going and i said oh, let's go together and somehow it didn't work out but i was reading into it for like a day <laughs> or two <laughs> i was like oh that's not good we have to help uh, because there is people dying. And uh, I, I, I don't want to put my, like that was the only thing in my life that I did like really like maybe one or two things more, but I'm not this like amazing dude that goes all the time. So, but this time I did for some reason. And I just uh, connected with some people and, um, and I just, uh, they said, yeah, you should come. Uh, we're there and there. And then I just flew into Lesbos and there was nothing. It was like four o'clock. No, I didn't flo flo uh, fly into Lesbos. I actually went on a boat. Mm -hmm. And then I like this boat turned out to like not work. And blah, blah. and then in the end, we got there and it was like m four in the morning and nothing was open. I was like, wait, it's a fuck. What if they don't pick me up or it's sometimes just on this island? I don't know. Like sh you can't like, you know, it's like all these weird things. It's like, so how do I help? you know come up and then i just got the car and by like some coincidence the guy called me and said yeah, yeah we're there and so i drove there and i saw like some people on the street that looked kind of english and so they were like oh where are you going i was like to this group ah oh, we are this group mm -hmm. and so it was this kind of like it was not an organized group in the sense of like metsas on frontier it was a group that did the work that metsa wasn't allowed to do because it was too dangerous. It sounds very, but it was like it was, but it, it was quite a, like it was quite interesting. Let's say, and I don't want to like reveal too many details in case they're still working there and like they could get in trouble. I don't, you never know. But uh, we we basically went and uh, went right to the beach uh, where people mostly landed and uh, helped them out of the boats um, and. Uh, if there were boats, it was not so intense. Like the, I literally came when there was like a, a more of a calm mm -hmm. time and I realized what a bitch I am. Like I didn't have enough sleep. I was, and I've seen this one girl slash woman. She was uh, actually an ex-student of mine by coincidence. I, that might even be the reason why I got to, she was so inspiring, man. She was like helping, she was never complaining, and she was just doing so much. And I also did my part, but I also, like I realized I was, there is people out there, man, who are just made, you know, like just made to, 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 be, to be big. And it was really inspiring for me to see, you know? Mm. And uh, I think she got pissed at me as well because I was like doing stupid jokes instead of like, I don't know, <laughs> like we had some <laughs> weird situations. But in any case, it was very, uh, it was very 
it, there were very hard times and it was uh, there was one time when I was um, at the beach and the boat arrived and there was nobody there apart from me it's like okay it's like 20 30 people and there was like maybe w one other guy or two other guys and that boat just came closer and closer and you knew like these it was winter time you know these people are probably real like some of them are suffering you you never know like there's old people children all that stuff so that was really like the moment when when it was nice to see what my body does when you're now okay it's Shit's time now shit's yeah, getting real. you know like yeah this is real now you know yeah. this really this really felt real you know yeah and uh, I, I was it was but you you just go into action mode you know then it's like uh, you get people off the, off the boat and you try your best to get them like uh, heat blankets and uh, stuff like that so and it was it like the thankfulness and also the weirdness of it you know like there's also people who are super unthankful and like uh, well the they told what i realized is that the pirates told them that it's like kind of part of the package that they get like new clothes and stuff like that so some of her like this is bad sir it's like this uh, like strange situation you know it's not at all what news tells us and that like people are super nice most like 99 percent just this most beautiful like normal people they want to have their smartphones like we all do to connect with their families and and uh, and and to see also that those other people help and like how selfless people are but also how dark it can get you know it's not it's life and mm -hmm. so that was that is a very it was very fascinating for me to see and also a fulfilling experience to help a bit mm -hmm. um and and also to see man yeah you're also like you're far from perfect man he was like i was also like not doing the right stuff sometimes and yeah but it was it was nice it was nice to be uh, to 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 do something where you felt like you do something good and it was nice to to just forget about yourself for some time as well yeah that was nice yeah so yeah it's it do it like do some some uh quote-unquote charity it's not the right word but like some humanitarian volunteering stuff like that Again, I'm not prescriptive. I haven't done a lot, but uh, it was very good. But help others is really nice. Mm. It's one of the most egoistical things you can do is help others out of the right reasons. It's not because you want to feel better, but because you want to help. And you realize you actually, I, I enjoy helping. Mm. It's nice. Mm. I really do like enjoy. I, I really do like helping. And... Um, and I think people are very lucky who realize that early in life that helping is fun, yeah. you know? And you don't do it for the social recognition. You know, like, oh, I'm going to be a good guy. And you might do a little bit because you're human. You're like, oh, people will know about this. Let me, you know, like all this dark shit comes up as well. Like you're, again, nothing is black and white. But if you predominantly do it out of a good good spirit, it's it's good. Yeah more fun than thinking about so what is my my it's, it's, it's because i do it a lot it's very uh energy compute consuming mm -hmm. to think about yourself too much yeah 
Okay, final questions, plural. Um, what are you working on now, or what is what's what do you where do you put most of your focus? Um, I think most of my focus right now goes into work with universities, mm. just um, out of the fact that uh, it has grown so much. We mm. also get like uh, university from Germany that now connected with us and it's just amazingly effortlessly like mm. really really cool uh woman that we just had a conversation with now so long story short i focus on university work like really helping students uh or creating a space where people get to know themselves a bit better mm. and uh get to connect deeper with their fellow students because i think it's very nice to be a unit or like feel uh, togetherness while you while you spend some time with each other i'll uh i'll continue focusing also on the working working with companies doing similar things mm -hmm. you know it's always good to like but there it's more focused on uh, leadership because i i believe that uh, to be a good leader you have to know yourself and also know how people work and so we we work with companies on that um so these will will be this will be the focus and also enjoying, mm. you know, uh, going on holidays. I'm going to do my yoga teacher training in January and then just ex yeah, exploring, traveling um, as much as I can because I really like it. I really like that. Yeah. Yeah. Let's see. Mm. Yeah. I think we can end on that note. Mm hmm. Let's see what the future brings. Bye. Have an amazing time, people out there. I'm uh, moving to the camera for people who don't see it. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> All right. Yeah, thank you. Thank you very much. And uh, have a great evening, everybody, or day, or whatever. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>